All right, before we get into the word, let's make our confession today. I don't know how many of you may have forgotten about it, but I pray that all of you remember it, but follow along with me. If you have your Bible, hold your Bible up high in your homes, and let's make this confession out loud. Everyone say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. And my life will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Even though I can't hear you, I believe that you have been repeating that after me and yet you have confessed, believing in your heart and out of your mouth. And because you've done that, I believe that revelation knowledge will flow freely to you and I believe that you are going to receive the word of the living God today. So today, here's what I'm going to be talking about. If you're taking notes, write this down. The curse of sickness. The curse of sickness. Uh, Those of you who have been coming to our church since the beginning of this year at least, um, you know that I talked about poverty and prosperity earlier this year. And during that particular series, Empowered to Prosper, uh, one of the Sundays I talked about the curse of poverty. Now, normally you talk about the blessing, you've heard about the blessing, and you've heard about how God wants to prosper you and all of that, but uh, I've never really heard too many messages on the curse of poverty or a message on poverty. And so also when it comes to uh, physical healing, a lot of people have heard about uh, healing, a lot of people have heard about miracles, and they've read about the miracles of Jesus, but it is not too often that you actually hear a message on sickness. But today is going to be one of those days because even in the series Empowered to Prosper, uh, once I preached on the curse of poverty, I never expected this really, but there were so many people uh, uh, that were coming and talking to me and sending messages about how understanding that poverty is a part of the curse really made a shift in their life. There's something that clicked in their minds and that's when they began to understand that they should not be tolerating poverty in their life. See, until that point, they had a desire to be wealthy or desire to be independently, uh, 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 financially independent, or they had a desire to not be in debt or break free from debt, but they did not necessarily understand that they, that they should not tolerate poverty in their life from a spiritual perspective, not just because they want to be rich or not just because they want a nice car or no, not just because they want a, it's not just a, a, a fleshly desire, but it is a desire that needs to be birthed out of a spiritual truth. And that spiritual truth is that the poverty belongs to the curse and not the blessing. Well, in the same way, today in the world that we live in, with all the news going on about corona and now it's like, well, we still talk about coronavirus, but now there, it's also the black uh, uh, fungus, the white fungus, the yellow fungus. They're coming up with the, you know, pretty much every other color they can think of. And, and, and so uh, uh, I don't know where this is going to lead us and all of that. But with all the talk about sickness, disease and all of that, it's important, I believe, to understand where sickness has to be given place. 
all right, in our lives. If we have that proper understanding, I believe that helps us understand how we need to respond to sickness. Because the reality is what I'm seeing and observing is a lot of believers don't necessarily know how to respond to sickness because they don't really know what the will of God is to begin with. All right. Now, with that being said, go with me to Hosea chapter four and verse six. Hosea chapter four and verse six says this. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, let's just stop there. I know there's the verse continues, but let's stop there. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This is God speaking here, and he's, think about what he's saying. He's, he's not talking about the unbeliever. He's not talking about people who worship false gods. He's saying, my people are being destroyed. Now, why are they being destroyed? Now, if you, if you don't read that verse, and if you just ask that question to a, a, a fellow Christian, if you say, hey, there are a bunch of Christians that are being destroyed. There are a bunch of Christians that are dying. Why is this? Most people say maybe it's the will of God. Right? It's the will of God. And yet here we don't see anything regarding the will of God. God says, my people, the people who are worshiping the true and living God, they're getting destroyed. And why is it that they're getting destroyed? Not because I will for them to be destroyed, but they're being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Another way of saying it is this. God's people are de being destroyed because of ignorance. A lack of knowledge is ignorance. A lack of information is ignorance. Right? For example, you, go, you walk into a building and uh, uh, you know, in the, you know, now pretty much all buildings have an elevator or a lift that you can go in. But you know, previous, uh, uh, you know, maybe two decades ago or something like that, not every elevator or not, sorry, not every building or apartment complex had an elevator. You just had steps. Now, if you go into some apartment complex for the first time, and if you were there, and if you were supposed to go to the, let's say, the fifth floor, and if you, the only thing that you saw immediately were the stairs, you might think, I just have to take the stairs. But yet, somebody living there for a while might have information that even though you don't see the lift right here, if you go behind that wall, there is a lift. And that person might use the lift. The reason why you did not use the lift is because of a lack of knowledge, a lack of information. You didn't use the lift because of ignorance. Are you understanding that? All right. So a, a while ago, I read the story about a missionary or a preacher who was living in England. This was before uh, the invention of the airplane. And uh, he had a desire to travel to America uh, to preach the word of God and to do ministry. But he didn't have the resources uh, uh, to buy a ticket. Well, long story short, he finally, somebody else pays for the ticket and they buy the ticket for him and they say, hey, go do the work of God. And they put him on the ship. He's on this big, uh, large ship. He's on it for the very first time. And he gets into the ship. Now, again, he doesn't have too much money. He has very little money. And he goes into the ship, and it's a couple of days' journey. And so every single day on the ship, he's exploring different parts. And he sees this little, nice little restaurant. And like they, they, you can see that everyone is enjoying the food. And he sees the food being displayed. He sees people being served the food. And he's enjoying. Uh, every single time he sees that, he, he just wishes he could have some of that food. And every single time, he did not dare to go in because it felt like it's an expensive place. 
But he kept doing this over and over again. And just about the time the, the ship was about to reach uh, uh, America, a day or so before it reaches America, uh, just like he did every other day, he was passing by that restaurant area. And one of the waitresses goes to him and says, sir, I, I see and I've been observing that you come every day, but you never come down to sit and eat the food. You just kind of look around and then you leave. So he kind of, you know, sheepishly says, you know, I, I, you know, I, I would love to, I just don't have the money for it. And then she says, sir, if you don't mind, can I take a look at your ticket? And then he shows her the ticket. See, little did he know that the ticket that he was holding had already paid for all the meals in that restaurant. And so even though he was on the same ship, he never enjoyed the benefits of that ticket. Why? Because of ignorance. Because of ignorance. Now, there are times in our life that because of ignorance, we miss out on certain things in our life. We miss out on certain benefits. Instead of getting on the lift, you, you, know, you climb the stairs. Or uh, uh, maybe you went to a store and you did, you, if you just had a coupon, maybe you would have gotten a discount and you forgot to take the coupon and now you did not have a discount and all of those kinds of things. Now, in the grand scheme of life, that's not a big issue. Right? Uh, maybe it was better that you climbed five uh, uh, floors uh, uh, using the steps rather than the lift. You got a little exercise, or, or uh, you know, maximum you lost a couple of uh, uh, you know dollars or money in at the store. Not things that are life and death. But here's the important thing: ignorance can really be expensive certain times. Ignorance can really cost you in life. And so when it comes to health and healing and sickness and disease. If we are not mindful of what the word of God says, and if we are ignorant of what God has said in his word, it can cost us very dearly. It can be the difference of life and death. And that's why today I want to talk to you about these things so that it will help not only you, but now you will be empowered to help other people in your life. Amen? When we talk about sickness and disease, the common understanding, not just for the unbeliever, for most Christians is this. When it comes to sickness and disease, when it comes to healing, many Christians have the understanding that God will sometimes heal and God will sometimes not heal. There are certain people that God chooses to heal, certain people God chooses not to heal. There's also another camp in the body of Christ that actually believes it is God who actually is the author of sickness and disease in the lives of people as well. Now, as always, when it comes to our thought life and how we live our lives, the most important question a Christian can ask is, what does the word say? What does the word say? Because whatever the word says, that has to be the final authority in our life. Not what the pastor says, not what our parents said. Even though we respect our parents, even though we respect the pastor, all of that. The final authority, the final word has always got to be with the word of God. Amen? Not what I say, but what does the word of God say? With that foundation, let's go to Luke chapter 5, please. Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 5. As you're turning there, just say this out loud. Say, my faith is going to the next level. Say it out loud. Say, my faith is going to the next level. 
Amen. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. I love the detail that it was an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out to him and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Glory be to God. Verse 12, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, which means the man was not talking, was not doubting the ability of Jesus. He's saying, you can do this. However, the doubt, the question in his heart and in his mind is, do you want to do this? Are you willing to do this? In other words, what is your will regarding me? What is your will regarding this leprosy I am suffering with? What is your will, Jesus? Because I know, Jesus, you can do something about it. I know you have the power over this. I know you've got the ability. But the question is, what's your will? The question is, do you want to do it? The question is, are you willing to do it? Now, many of you might already know this, that when a person was suffering with leprosy, nobody would touch the person. Why? Because they would, uh, 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 the, the thinking always has been that w when you touch a person suffering with leprosy, that you will be infected by the same disease. And therefore, nobody would touch people who were suffering with leprosy. Now, look at what is happening here. The Bible says, the man just says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. The first thing that Jesus does is, I'm willing. I'm not afraid of the sickness. I'm not afraid of the leprosy. The first thing that he does is he touches the person. And once he touches the person, the next thing that he says is, I am willing, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Hallelujah. The leprosy disappeared. Now, what can we understand from that short passage of scripture from those two verses? The, two, the thing that we have to understand is this, that when God's willingness was questioned, the answer was that he was willing. Understand this, Jesus has been willing, he was always willing, and he always will be willing to heal you. Always. He's never changed his mind. Not one scripture, not one verse can you show me where Jesus was not willing to heal somebody. He was always willing. Right? Now, when we understand that Jesus was always willing, why is it that we still have this notion or this idea that sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't? Some people he does and some people he doesn't. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3, please. Galatians chapter 3. See, I believe we have that kind of understanding or people have that kind of understanding because we don't really understand where sickness comes from. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 says this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now, when it talks about hanging on a tree, it is talking about being crucified on the tree. 
So it is saying, cursed is everyone that hang, hangs on the tree. And it's talking about Jesus. Now, in the first part, it says, in, in the New Living Translation, it says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. This, my friend, is the reality of the new creation. This, my friend, is the reality of every born-again child of God, that Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Not something that will happen in the future, but something that he has already done in the past. This is not something that will happen to you after you fast for 40 days. This is not something that will be done to you after you give the biggest offering to the church or to the ministry. This is not something that will happen to you when you travel to Israel or to Jerusalem. Or after you get baptized in the river Jordan. None of those things. These are things that have already been done by Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, Psalm 107 verse 2 says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. What does it mean to say so? Say what? He's saying, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, meaning let the redeemed of the Lord say that they are redeemed. That means let them believe in their heart and let them speak it out of their mouth. That means let them boldly declare, I am redeemed of the Lord. Redeemed of the Lord. I have been purchased by God. I no longer have to go through certain things that, they, that the people were going through. Or maybe you were going through, but now, understand, you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, the question is, what is the curse of the law? Because a lot of times we do read about this, but what exactly is the curse of the law? Again, go with me one more time to Galatians 3.13, and I'll read from the Amplified Version this time. It says, Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, doom of the law, and its condemnation. Not so here, there's an additional understanding that we can get. Not only has he redeemed us from the curse of the law, but from its condemnation by himself becoming a curse for us. Now, there are many Christians who think they deserve to be sick. Many Christians who think that they are in sickness or they're suffering with a sickness because of what they have done wrong, because of past sins in their life. Some people that are Christians who think that God has put the sickness on disease or allowed the sickness and disease because he's trying to teach me something through this sickness and disease. And when people have that kind of idea, people begin to pray and begin to beg God because now they think as, as lo, uh, the, the, the longer they beg God, that God will somehow forgive them of their sins and then heal them. Somehow in their mind, because condemnation has taken root in their heart, they don't realize that they're the righteousness of God and what happens is they think because I'm not a really good Christian, I cannot expect healing in my life. Now, I just want you to think about a couple of questions. If you really think God made you sick because of sickness, because of your sin, and if you really think that you are not being healed because of your sin, just think about these few questions. Who did Jesus die for? Who did Jesus die for? And if you're taking notes, write this down because this will help you later on. 
Who did Jesus die for? Number two, why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? Number one, who did Jesus die for? According to the word, he died for unrighteous people. He didn't die for righteous people. He didn't die for the holy people. He died for unrighteous sinners. Now, why did Jesus die? To redeem sinners. All right? He died to redeem sinners. Now, if he, if, he, uh, um, if he died for sinners, and if he died to redeem sinners, what makes you think that because you sinned, he will not heal? Are you understanding what I'm saying? That is a lie of the enemy. That is the spirit of condemnation that is trying to have a grip over your life. Please do not think that just because you sinned at some point in your life that you are suffering because of that or that God is causing you to suffer because of that. That is a devilish thought. That is a demonic, twisted thought. And you need to remove that thought out of your brain. And you need to replace it with the truth of the word of God that says that Christ died for the ungodly. If he died for the ungodly, then he died for the sick person as well. Are you understanding that? He died for the ungodly so that he can make righteous. He died for the sick person so he can be healed. Hallelujah. That is the truth of the word of God. Now, what is the curse of the law? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now in Deuteronomy 28, we see the entire chapter is 69 verses. All right, pretty long chapter. 69 verses. The first 14 verses are verses that we are familiar with because it talks about the blessing of the Lord. The first 14 verses. However, from verse 15 to verse 69, it talks about the curse. And those verses are not very popular or familiar. Because we don't like to read about the curse. All right? Verses 15 through 69 are about the curse. Now, when the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, if you read 28, Deuteronomy 28 properly, now you begin to understand the curse of the law. Not only do you understand the curse of the law, now you will understand that whatever is listed out in the curse, I am redeemed from that, which means I no longer have to suffer those things in my life. That means whatever is spoken in that curse has been removed from my life. Understand that. Now, as we get into, well, before I even start reading uh, uh, Deuteronomy 28, I want to uh, uh, lay this foundation and I want to help you understand in how you ought to be reading this, ver th this chapter and a couple of other chapters in the Old Testament as well. The Old Testament was translated from the Hebrew language. And in the Hebrew language, there is the permissive will of God and the active will of God. All right? The permissive and the active will of God. Now, in the Hebrew language, when the person reads the Old Testament in Hebrew, they would automatically understand what is being written, which parts were the permissive will of God and which parts were the active will of God. All right? But now, when it was translated into English, a lot of times it was what was permissive was translated as the active will of God. And therefore, in Deuteronomy 28, a lot of times when we read it, there are several verses which will cause you to scratch your head because it will look like it is God who is actively 
punishing people or, or putting sickness and diseases upon people and enjoying them dying. Right? However, when you read it in Hebrew, it is the permissive will of God. Understand this. Once Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin came into this world, from that point onwards, sin, the curse, and the judgment that comes with sin and the curse are active in the world. All right? Nobody has to do anything about it. They're actively moving in the world. Sin, judgment, and, 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 and the sin, curse, and the judgment of that is actively moving in the world. All right? Now, every time God intervenes, it, when the, the blessing of the Lord is about that curse being interrupted. All right? The blessing of the Lord is the curse being interrupted. So when, when God blessed Abraham, what was happening there? Abraham was already living in a curse-filled world. Abraham and the rest of the people were living in a curse. Now the blessing comes upon his life. What's happening? That puts a stop to the curse. That brings about a supernatural empowerment on Abraham's life to do things that other people could not, to receive things other people could not, to experience things other people would not. Amen. So that is the God's interruption in the natural fallen world uh, uh, ways of things. All right, so the blessing is the interruption. God intervenes on our behalf and interrupts the effects of sin, death, decay, and the curse uh, and the judgment from those things being experienced by all of us. Now, with that being said, go with me to Exodus chapter 12 so, so that I, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of this being written in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 and verse, let's start at verse 12. Uh, this is before the Egyptians uh, or before the Israelites get out of Egypt. Uh, verse 12 says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on the night, and I will strike all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. All right, this is God speaking. I am the Lord. Verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So now when you read that, it's looking like God will personally come and strike the land of Egypt and that God will do these things personally. Verse 22, same chapter. It says, and you shall take a bunch of uh, hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and, and strike the lentil of the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. All right. And when he sees the blood on the lentil, and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Wait a minute. I thought God was doing the striking. All of a sudden in verse 23, it says, and I will not allow. Still God is speaking and now all of a sudden he says, I will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. Some of your translations will say, I will not allow the death angel. All right. Now, what's happening here? I thought it looked like God was the one who was actively going to strike people. But all of a sudden, here in verse 23, it says, the, 
the destroyer. I will not allow the destroyer to come in uh, into your houses. Again, when the Hebrew readers read the Old Testament, they know exactly what is happening. They see the distinction. However, when we read it in English, we don't see the distinction. Now, when it comes to, for, let, let me give you another example. When it comes to the word love, many of you have heard agape love, filio love, and so on and so forth. Now, but every single time in the English Bible, it's just written as love. But when you read it in Greek, the New Testament, which has been translated from the Greek, you will not have to translate it. Why? Because every single time it talks about the specific love that is being talked about. However, in English, it doesn't talk about the specific love because the English language does not have words for, or, or I should say the English language only has one word to describe love, which is love. But Greek has so many other words, and therefore they use all of them. So also when it comes to the Hebrew grammar, it allows you to understand what is the permissive will and the active will. In English, it was all translated as the active will of God. Even in the book of, in the New Testament, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when we talk about the communion elements, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29, it says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, for the longest time, people have thought this meant that God is going to judge the person who is not drinking uh, uh, or eating the meal in a worthy manner. Now we've come to understand it is not the case. What is happening is judgment was already in place. The judgment was sickness and disease is already in the place. But now the, the, the communion meal is the supernatural meal which brings forth the blessing of the Lord, which intervenes and stops the curse from having an effect in your life. Are you understanding that? So every single time you read in the book of Deuteronomy 28 about the curse, I don't want you to think that God is being double-minded and sometimes he's, he's just hammering people and sometimes he's just putting uh, uh, sicknesses on different people. But I want you to understand that it is the permissive will of God, which means God will allow certain things to happen in your life if you choose to go that way. If you choose to go that way, that's why even in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, in the very beginning, he says, if you hearken to the voice of the Lord, your God, and follow and do his commandments, then you will, all of these blessings shall come upon you, verses 1 through 14. But then in verse 15, he says, if you disobey, and if you go your own way, here's what will happen. Now, God doesn't have to actively do that. If you disobey and go your own way, these were going to be the results of what people were already experiencing in the world. Right? See, let me say it this way. When God was speaking the blessing upon the nation, nobody was experiencing the kind of blessing where people would get lands that they did not own or houses that they did not build right? That's the supernatural coming in and providing. What were people already experiencing? People were already experiencing utter poverty on the planet. So now the curse says you will have that kind of poverty. Are you understanding that? So when, 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 when the, the Bible talks about the blessing, it is always talking about God intervening and stopping the curse so that his blessing comes. 
Now, when the blessing is not there, automatically the judgment is you will experience the curse. You will experience the results of the fallen man. You get that? I pray that, that, that I was able to communicate that properly. Now, go with me to Deuteronomy 28 with that understanding. Deuteronomy 28 and starting from verse 15. Well, I would encourage you to read the entire chapter, but for just for time, let's just jump through some of the scriptures that specifically talk about uh, uh, curses because of the disobedience and uh, curses that have to do with your uh, sickness and disease. All right. Verse 21. It says, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 21. It says, the Lord will make the plague cling to you. Now, plague meaning pestilence. What the world has experienced over the last two years is a plague, is a pestilence, all right? Um, cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. Verse 22, the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. All right? So there are several different kinds of sicknesses and diseases that have already been mentioned here. Verse 27. Go with me. 27. It says, The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt. I don't know what the boils of Egypt are, but I don't want to have any of the boils of Egypt. All right. So I don't know exactly what that means, but I don't want to have not only the boils of Egypt. I don't want boils of America, boils of Europe, boils of Australia. It doesn't matter where they're made, made in boils of uh, made in China, boils of China. It doesn't matter. I don't want any boils made anywhere. I want to be boils free. All right. So it says uh, that God will strike them with the boils of Egypt with tumors. Now, you've heard of tumors, right? Anybody that you know is suffering with tumors or if you are suffering with tumors, understand that it was part of the curse and not the blessing. All right. And he says with the scab. Now, when, it, when the Bible here specifically talks about the scab, this is talking about all kinds of cancerous diseases. All right. Cancerous growths and cancerous diseases. And with the itch, any kind of skin disease issues that you may be dealing with even like for, for example the the curse of the law has to deal with something like a headache and when it's talking about itch maybe it's a dandruff that you are dealing with or maybe it's it's a much more complicated skin issue it doesn't matter it's all part of the curse of the law all right then it goes on to say from which you cannot be healed so dandruff that you cannot be healed, the cancer that you cannot be healed, the tumor that you cannot be healed. Verse 28, the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of the heart. Madness of the heart, blindness of the heart, and the confusion of the heart. What does this have to deal with? Over the last several years, you've been hearing a lot about mental sickness, mental health, mental illness, emotional health, emotional illness. All of that has to do with what it is talking about in verse 28. All of that is part of the curse and under the curse of the law. Verse 20, uh, go with me to 34, please. 34, it says, so you shall drive, so uh, you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. 
All right. Again, it's talking about your mental health, going crazy in the mind. Verse 35, the Lord will strike you in the knees and on, on the legs with severe boils, which cannot be healed. And from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Again, knees, legs, again, knee issues, body issues, boil issues, whatever it is, all of that being covered here. Verse, jump down to verse 59, please. 59. It says, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues. Extraordinary plagues, which means plagues that we don't even know of. He says, they, it will happen, okay? Extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues. That means these are not plagues that will only last for a short time, but great and extended, prolonged plagues and seriously prolonged sicknesses. Now, for some of you that say, you know, uh, 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 you've been dealing with certain sicknesses and diseases for years, it's under the curse. It's under the curse. Verse 60, moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid and they shall cling to you. Again, doesn't matter if it's the disease of Egypt, Africa, America, Australia, Russia, it doesn't matter. I don't want any of them. Verse 61. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. So for everyone that's saying, but pastor, it doesn't talk about COVID. It doesn't talk about some other disease. Listen, it says, and also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book. That means anything that is even missing, it is all. If it is sickness and disease, it all comes under the curse of the law. Verse 65 says, And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of the soul. Anguish of the soul. Failing eyes a trembling or a fearful heart. All of these things are a part of the curse of the law. Every single one of these things. Now, what's the point of reading all of this? The point of reading all of this is this, that Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You know what that should mean to you? Christ has redeemed me from tumors. Christ has redeemed me from boils. Christ has redeemed me from dandruff. Christ has redeemed me from mental health issues. Christ has redeemed me from emotional issues. Christ has redeemed me from knee issues. Christ has redeemed me from a weak heart. Christ has redeemed me from sicknesses and diseases. Christ has redeemed me from plagues. Christ has redeemed me from any sickness, any disease that has not yet been written in the book of the law. Are you understanding that? Christ has redeemed you from sickness. That's what the scripture is saying. How did he do that? Having become a curse for us. Hallelujah. 
How did he do that? By becoming sickness. How did he redeem you from, uh, from tumors? By becoming a tumor. By receiving that tumor. How did he redeem you from dandruff? By receiving dandruff upon himself. How did he redeem you from some uh, 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 problem in the knees? By having problematic knees. By receiving problematic knees. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Which means every sickness, every disease has been taken by Jesus so that you don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. But now, if we're not firmly rooted and grounded in this truth, here's what I've been seeing, here's what I've been talking about, and here's what I've been observing. There, there are people who have somebody in the ICU or in some other dangerous situation, and they'll still be praying and saying, God, please, if it is your will, please heal this person. Now, I want you to just think with me regarding that. So you are praying to a God who you don't even know if he wills to heal a sick person. Is that what you're telling me? Is that what we are believing? We're praying for somebody in the eye. Like, for example, let's say you're on vacation, you're at the ocean, or you're in the swimming pool, you're in a hotel, and everyone's enjoying in the swimming pool, and somebody's drowning. In, while they're drowning, if you see some, if, if I just point to some random person who's at the pool, who's at the ocean, and if I say, do, what do you think is that person's will regarding the person who is drowning? What do you think is, is his will? Do you think... Deep down, he wants to see that person saved? Or do you think you want to see that person drown and die? We would say the majority of people, with all the evil and wrong that is in us, the majority of people will say, my will is that person be saved. I don't want that person dying. I don't know who that person is. I don't know what religion he belongs to. I don't know what caste he belongs to. I don't know his education. I don't know his qualification. All I want is that, that man is drowning. That woman is drowning. I just want them saved. And we would say that confidently regarding somebody else's will, even though we've never met them, we've never heard of them. And yet, when, when we are asked the question, what is God's will regarding that person with cancer? What is God's will regarding that person suffering with that horrible knee? What is God's will regarding that person suffering with thyroid? What is God's will regarding that person who's been suffering with COVID? What is God's will regarding that person with black fungus right now? And people, we, we as Christians, it is, it, it, is, it is pathetic that we as many Christians still say, I don't know the will of God. I don't know the will of God. Still to this day, when we have to pray for somebody that is sick, so many people still pray and say, God, if it is your will, please heal this person. Where did we get that prayer from? Seriously, where did we get that prayer from? Because I don't see that Anywhere in the life of Jesus. I did not, I cannot see, not once, where Jesus sees a sick person and says, and that person says, hey, I need healing. I believe you can heal me. And he never responds by saying, you know what, I need to check with my father. You know what, I'm not sure. 
if today is the day that I'm supposed to heal you. I'm not sure if it's his will to heal you because, you know, sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. There's certain people he favors and he heals, certain people he doesn't. So let me check with the Father and I'll get back to you. You never see, the, never see Jesus doing that. You never even see Jesus saying, Father, heal them if it is your will. You never. In fact, you never even see Peter doing that. Peter sees a person who cannot walk and he comes and the person is asking for alms and instead of giving him alms, instead of giving him some coins, he said, I'll, I'll, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, he says, rise up and walk. Peter is not saying, hey, I'm about to get into the temple. Let me go into the temple. Let me pray for an hour. Discern the will of God regarding you. Maybe then I will know whether I'm supposed to pray for you or not. He does not even say anything about prayer. He does not even pray. He just simply uses the name of Jesus. He says, rise up and walk. That's a man who knew the will of God regarding healing. That's a man who understood the will of God regarding healing. That's a man who understood that a, ma a man not walking, a man laying on a mat on the road is not the will of God. It is a man who understood that a man who is, whose legs are not working is part of the curse and not the blessing. He knew that. It was established in his heart. There was no doubt. And therefore, he never prayed about it. He declared he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says he jumped up. He leapt and praised God. And yet today, I see people praying for other people. And they say, God, if it is your will, why do we have that question? See, for many of us, we never even thought about this. For many of us, we just repeat that phrase, God, if it be your will, heal this person, because we've heard other people pray that way, and we just repeat it like a parrot. Also, I, I saw so-and-so praying for a sick person, and they said that. So now, because somebody else is asking me to pray for their headache, now because they're asking me to pray for their daughter, now because they're asking me to pray about their uh, report uh, from the doctor, now even I'll say, God, if it is your will, please heal them. What are you saying when you say that? You're saying, God, is it possible that it cannot be your will to heal a person? See, you would never say that regarding salvation. You would not say, God, if it is your will, just save this person. Uh, if it is your will, save my mother. If it is your will, save my uncle. But if it is not, I understand. No, we don't say that. Now, here's the other mystery. And I want you to think with me on this. There are people who will say, we're not sure if God wants to heal. We're not sure if God, if God wants to heal. We're not sure if God wants to heal. We're praying, God, if it is your will, heal this person. God, if it is your will, heal this person. God, if it is your will, heal this person. God, if it is your will, heal this person. And one day that person dies. And all of a sudden we say, it must be the will of God. Wait a minute. I thought all of this time you could not discern the will of God. I thought all of this time you did not know the will of God. How did you all of a sudden come to the conclusion this is the will of God when the person dies? How did you come to the conclusion that God's will was for that person to die? 
how did you come to that conclusion? Experience? So now experience teaches us more than the word? Now we've elevated experience to the place of God. We've replaced experience where God should have been. We've replaced God with experience. Now, we don't care that Jesus said, I am willing. We don't care that Jesus always healed the sick whenever they came with faith. We don't care that Jesus died on the cross taking sin, taking sickness upon himself. No, no, no. We put, up that all, put all of that aside. I don't know what the will of God is. I don't know what the will of God is. I don't know what the will of God is. Bam, the person dies. Oh, we know what the will of God is. All of a sudden, now we have enlightenment from where? Not from the word, my friend. Not from the word. Because the word doesn't say that. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1, he says, If there is anyone sick among you, call the elders of the church so that they will anoint them with oil and they will pray the prayer of faith which will heal the sick. It did, not, it, it did not say that if you are sick, call the people in the church and the people in the church will begin to form a group around you and the people in the church will form a group and they will start crying out to God and they'll start crying out to God and they will start begging God and begging God and begging God and then if it still doesn't happen, they will start a chain prayer and they will all beg God. They will all beg God together. All of them will beg God and if the tears are enough and maybe God will change his mind and bam, he will heal it doesn't say anything about maybe Jesus never said anything about maybe Peter never said anything about maybe Paul never said anything about maybe James doesn't say anything about maybe James says if there's anybody sick, simply call the elders of the church. They'll come. They'll anoint. They'll pray the prayer of faith. And guess what? The prayer of faith will heal the sick. Now, you tell me what is the will of God. If the prayer of faith heals the sick, what is the will of God? That means the will of God is that the sick be healed. Where's the confusion? I'll tell you where the confusion is. The confusion comes from man trying to exalt experience about the truth of the word of God. Man trying to exalt experience about the truth of the word of God. When Jesus says, I have taken sickness. I have become a curse. Why do we still question? Why do we still doubt and say, if it is your will? See, I want you to come to a place where you absolutely hate sickness. I want you to come to a place where you fight sickness where you don't tolerate sickness. If you remember in Empower to Prosper, I said you've got to come to a place where you don't tolerate poverty. 
where you don't tolerate lack. Why? Not because we want to just be rich, because Jesus took it on the cross. You should not tolerate it. I'm telling you, you should not tolerate sickness because Jesus took it for you on the cross. Therefore, exalt Jesus and don't tolerate sickness. Exalt Jesus, don't tolerate poverty. Exalt Jesus, don't tolerate sin in your life. It's all the same. It's one cross, one sacrifice. The same cross and the same sacrifice that took care of your sin, the same cross and the same sacrifice that took care of your poverty is the same cross and the same sacrifice that took care of your sickness. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That is your inheritance. That is my inheritance. Now, again, let me also say this. Even after reading what we read in Deuteronomy 28, some of you might say, but pastor, I don't, I still believe that God is the one, uh, as it says in Deuteronomy 28, I still believe that God is the one who placed, puts sickness and disease on people. All right, if you believe that, okay, read the entire chapter, even if you believe that. Okay? Even if you don't believe in the permissive and the active will of God and the Greek and the Hebrew, let's put all of that aside. Even if you believe that God actively puts sickness and disease, again, who is he putting sickness and disease on? He's putting sickness and disease on people who are disobedient and willfully walking away from the things that he has told them to do. So, if you really believe the entire chapter, then you also have to believe that if you believe or if you heed the voice of God, if you hear the voice of God, if you obey his commandments, then what will come upon you? Not the curse, but the blessing. And nowhere is sickness and disease part of the blessing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If you walk in the ways of the Lord, that means you should be experiencing the blessing. And if you're experiencing the blessing, you should not be experiencing the curse. And sickness is only found in the curse, not in the blessing. I'll say that one more time. Sickness is only found in the curse, not in the blessing. Do not ever say a sickness is a blessing of the Lord. It is not. And every time you say that or anyone says that, they are twisting scripture. It is twisted scripture. Twisted. It's not the truth. It's twisted. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Even after everything that he says about the blessing and the curse in 28, in, in chapter 30 and verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that, you that I have placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So he's giving us the op option and he's giving us the opportunity. He's saying, hey, I'm calling everyone. I'm calling heaven. I'm calling earth. Listen, 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 everybody. I'm giving you life and I'm giving you death. I'm giving you the blessing and I'm giving you the curse. All of it is available. It's right there for the taking. But then you, you, you know his heart. You get to see his heart because he says, therefore, choose life. He says, I'm placing both. But he says, choose this. I'm choosing life. I'm, I'm placing life and death. Blessing, cursing. Choose life. 
choose the blessing. He says, so that you and your descendants may live. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of God. Sickness and disease is not from Him, my friends. You don't have to wonder if it is God's will. See, the man in, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, I know you're able to. I know you can. But will you? Will you do this? And what was his response? Immediately he touches him. He touches the person with leprosy. See, some of you dealing with condemnation in your heart. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't, you know, because of that sickness, you don't know, you know, I've drank too many cigarettes. I've done this, I've done that. I've, you know, I've, I've cheated people, I've wronged people, and therefore I'm, 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 I'm hurting and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm suffering with the sickness and disease. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 come here. Jesus is reaching out and he says, it's okay, I'll touch it's okay, that's, that's, I came for you into this world. I know what you've done is wrong, but that's why I came. I know you've hurt those people, but that's why I came. Not so that you can continue in your suffering. I've come so that you don't have to be condemned anymore. I've come so that you don't have to be sick anymore. That's why I came. I know you've made mistakes. I've known you've sinned in the past. But that's why I'm here. Not to condemn you, but to save you, to heal you, to prosper you, to love you, to fellowship with you. To give you a new identity. Make you righteous and holy. Change you for all of eternity. That's why I came. Oh, to know the heart of the Father. To know the will of God. To be established in the truth. The freedom that comes from it. See, when we're when we don't know, when we're in a place as, as Christians and we say, we don't know if God's going to heal. We don't know if it's the will of God. Sometimes, oh, it's, it's God who, you know, puts the sickness and disease. And then we still go and pray to the same God who puts the sickness and disease. See, some people think, oh, God puts the sickness and disease and now that's why we're praying and we're praying and we're praying. And somehow their, their understanding is and they think that with all of this prayer, we can, we can get God to change his mind on us. With all of this prayer, now finally he will forgive us and now he's about to heal us. And therefore they pray and they pray and they pray, not knowing that they have been forgiven, not knowing that even before they were born, he decided to heal them. God's not... Can I tell you this? God is not healing you because of what you are praying now. Let that sink in. God is not healing you because of what you are praying now. 
What you are praying now is simply a means by which you are receiving what he has done for you 2000 years ago on the cross. He, oh, get this, he did not decide to heal you of COVID after you prayed about the COVID positive issue. It's not like he's waiting on my prayer about, oh God, uh, uh, heal their lungs and then now God decides, okay, I'm going to heal. Them. No. 2,000 years ago, he took that. Before your great, 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 great grandfather was even born, he thought about you, healed you completely. 2,000 years ago. When we pray, what are we doing? By faith, we are taking what grace gave to us 2,000 years ago. But if we don't understand this, here's what's happening. The Bible says in, in the book of James, I believe in, in somewhere near chapter, uh, verse 7, chapter 1 and verse 7, I believe. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let him not expect to receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man. And when, you, when, when we become double-minded Christians, when we say it's God who heals, God who doesn't heal, God who gives sickness, God who takes sickness, and, and we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Oh, we don't know what the will of God is. We don't know what the will of God is. The person dies. Oh, I guess that's the will of God. Double-minded in all these things. James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let him not expect to receive anything of the Lord. So if you're double-minded, you can be thinking and you can be saying, no, I'm praying in faith, I can pray in faith, I'm praying in faith, and I'm full of faith, I'm full of faith. No, you're just double-minded. You're trying to manufacture faith out of your own strength, ability, and ideas. That's not how it works. God has provided. When you pray, you by faith take what He has given you. Amen. Finally, Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. It says, he, has dis he was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains, and acquainted with grief and sickness. Acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. That's the prophet Isaiah talking about Jesus. And he says that Jesus was acquainted with sickness. And when he was on the cross, he took it. He took it, my friend. Today, I want you to know without a shadow of doubt that sickness is part of the curse. It's the curse of sickness. It's the curse of sickness. And when he got acquainted with sickness on the cross, he got acquainted for you. He got acquainted for me, for us. And therefore, when we partake in the communion, and I want to encourage every one of you to partake in the communion at this time. When we partake in the communion, 
We don't flip-flop. We're not double-minded. We firmly believe that this communion element is what brings in the blessing of the Lord into our lives. It stops the curse and it brings in the blessing. And when we partake in it, remembering Jesus, and when we discern the Lord's body and we discern the blood, and we do this in remembrance of Him, supernatural, supernatural things can be our portion. Hallelujah. Let's get ready to partake in the elements. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Your name be glorified, Jesus. Jesus, you are so worthy, so beautiful. In all your ways, you are wonderful. We remember what you've done for us on the cross. Discerning your body, that your body was broken so that our bodies can be made whole. We thank you for helping us understand that sickness is part of the curse and for helping us see that you took upon yourself that curse so that we can walk free from that curse. We can walk free from the curse of sickness. We can walk in divine health and healing. And Lord, as your precious people, as we partake in the broken body, we do so in faith. And as your people all around the world right now, in different parts of the world, as they partake in these elements, I pray supernatural healing to be experienced in their physical bodies, in their mind, in their soul, in their emotions, mental, every facet of their life. We receive healing right now in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Lord, we also thank you for the blood that was shed. We do this in remembrance of you. We thank you, Lord, that because of your blood, we have the right to enter the throne of grace any day, any time. Thank you that the blood makes us clean, washes us white as snow, gives us a new identity, and makes us the righteousness of God. Thank you for forgiving us. We receive of you. In Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, I pray that these truths will be established in the hearts of your precious people. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Let our minds be renewed, our hearts be transformed, that our thinking, our speaking, 
and are living. Come out of this truth that sickness is part of the curse and we are redeemed from that curse. We don't tolerate it in our lives any longer. We declare that we are redeemed and we declare that we are healed. In Jesus' mighty name. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. I thank you for the healings that are taking place now. I thank you, Lord, that people are healed. I thank you, Lord, that people with stomach issues are being healed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Whatever issue it is in the stomach, there's some kind of growth. We declare healing right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We glorify you. We thank you. We give you the praise, the glory, and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I pray, I believe that you received that word. I would encourage you to, you know, listen to that over and over again until it becomes a part of your thinking, a part of your being. I want to encourage you to share this with your family and friends. There are a lot of people that are sick, a lot of people that need prayer. But it really helps when they have the proper understanding so that they can stay, stand strong and walk in the divine health and healing that is provided to them by God Almighty. So share it with as many people as possible and be a source of blessing to them. Amen. Don't ever be stingy with the word of God. Whatever God has given to you, freely give it to other people. Now, it is the messages are not only available on YouTube, they're also available on Spotify, they're available on Anchor app as well, so you can listen to them as a podcast as well. So share the news with everyone and so that they can hear the word of God as well.